to make something clear this morning. This is, uh, we're shortly away from Christmas, and we know what this season means to us as Christians. To be a believer now is, uh, for us, high, high regard. Amen. It means everything to us to, to be a believer right now and be a believer in Christ. In our society today, at the climate and everything that's going on, could nothing be more important than being able to gather and talk about what God has done for us. Amen. Nothing more important. And I want to be clear that as we wind this year down and this thing is about to close, I want you to know that even though we can look at, we might look at economy, you might look at politics, you might look at a lot of different things, and you may come to a determination that 2020 just wasn't no good. But I want to tell you something this morning, that regardless of what the economy says, and regardless of how votes go, and regardless of all those things, you still have the victory this morning. And your body might be failing. And there might be some wear and tear on this thing. There might be some miles on it. There might be, but that don't take away the victory. When I look across here and I see all of you here this morning, I see people who have been through wars and battles. Some of them have not even ever been spoken about. Some of them were were things that you dealt with internally that you prayed about and you asked God to get you through and he pulled you through. 2020 was not a, it is not, and and I know I'm I'm talking about the year, but 2020 is not a failure because things didn't go our way. 2020 was a success because it drawed us closer to God. And it woke us up to what's happening in our world. It woke us up. It brought our insecurities to the surface, challenged our belief. But this morning, I stand on not what man says. I stand on what God says. I stand on what God says. God said, I've got the victory this morning. God, God, he, he said that to his children. He gave it to you and me in the cross. Gave that to you and I. So an acceptance of Jesus is required to have that kind of victory. An acceptance of Jesus. And so I know this morning... You know, I asked Misty last night, I said, isn't tomorrow supposed to be the Christmas message? And I'm, and I'm thinking, we're not going to be back. Maybe maybe we'll come back Wednesday, but this is the Sunday. This is the, I consider the Christmas message to be a high-honored thing. Yeah. It's one that Pastor John has given every single year. This is the first year he's not been able to give it. Yeah. First year. And so, out of respect for him, I'm not going to give you a traditional Christmas message. Because I believe that that was his to give. It's his to give. I want to give you the word nonetheless. Uh Come out. The word nonetheless. And so, if you would this morning, let's entertain the Lord and turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John. This morning, 
Gospel of John, chapter 8. Let's look at verse 30. And he spoke these words, and as he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And so I want to I talk to you just briefly about the, the statement that he makes by continuing in his word and what identifies somebody as being his disciples or discipleship. You see, discipleship is about learning and training in God. We were talking about this this morning, just briefly, that how important it is to be teachable, to be teachable people. If, if, if you can't be a teachable person, then there's no way that you can excel spiritually. You can't ever move forward if you're not willing to learn. And, and furthermore, um, saying it, just repeating it briefly, you can't learn if you're not willing to say or admit that you're wrong. And so what Jesus does here, and I want you to notice the context of the conversation, and I want to point this out to you, that there was this conversation. It's very popular. There's two actually two very popular verses in these stands of scriptures that we're going to read that when put in the context of all the other things that are said, there's a change of heart that the people have when they're confronted by something that Jesus said. Because it starts out in verse 30, and he says that as he spoke, the people believed. And he says that as Jesus... Uh, and then said Jesus to the Jews, which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Meaning, if you continue to do what I tell you to and, and tell you the difference between a right and wrong, after you have accepted me, then you become my disciples. Discipleship is not a one-time experience. Discipleship is every single day. And you have to really look at that word and understand what he was saying there because when we start talking about his disciples, I'm not talking about the 12. We're not talking about those disciples. We're talking about people that follow closely to him and to his ways, discipleship. And he said, if you'll continue in my word and you do those things that I tell you to, you are my disciples indeed. But then here comes the popular verse, which is verse 32. It's the one that everybody knows. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Amen. I've quoted that scripture more times than I can count. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But what makes this verse so powerful is the context in which he spoke it in, because he said this to challenge their belief system. He said it to challenge them. And he, he set up a, a, a precedence by uh, making this statement. And this the statement is, you will know truth, and truth makes free and i found that to be a principle throughout life truth makes free always spiritually uh, when you're disciplining your children how many of you want them to tell you the truth have you ever you see i know you're lying to me you ever said that to your kid what are you looking for you're looking for truth you want to know the truth tell me the truth and so he challenges him, and he says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Truth and freedom 
are in direct correlation with each other. You can't have freedom without first being connected with truth. You can't. It's impossible to be free without truth. The, the thing about truth, though, is, is it's a tricky thing because I said a little bit about it this morning, but the thing about truth is, is that there are so many different levels of truth in our life. And, and you can't just accept Christ and say, I, I acknowledge the cross and I acknowledge Christ as being Savior. That is a truth in and of itself. But see, he said, if you'll continue in my word, that's when you become disciples. That's when you really learn something, is when you keep doing what it is you know that I'm telling you to do. You see, truth, truth isn't just one thing. All truth flows through the cross. All truth. So now that I've found Christ and I accept him as Savior, then what's next? Well, what's next is this identification process that we go through throughout life, and it's identifying the things that displease the Father and uprooting them and getting them out. Why? Why, why? why do we have to go through that process? Why do we have to do those things? Because it's a continuation of truth. It's a continuation. And I like my freedom. Amen. I like my freedom. And I'm not going to get into politics, but if you've noticed that there's, a, uh, there's this ongoing popular thing now, it's a censorship of speaking certain things. They, they censor certain items and truths that are spoken. They, the, the media doesn't want to talk about them. They want to censor them and shut them up. We're not allowed to talk about those things. Why? Because truth sets free. Amen. Truth sets free. You always remember that. Truth sets free by principle. That's what it does. And so the enemy knows. The enemy knows that if you start accepting truth, the thing that's going to follow is freedom. Freedom is not far behind once truth is recognized. Look, let's look at the big picture, though. When we start considering the value of freedom and what it costs to have it, I have to consider truth continually. I like my freedom. I want to stay in it. Well, that means that I have to continually recognize the truths that are being brought before me in my own life. Sometimes God comes along and he knocks. And for lack of a better way of saying it, let me say it like this, and I hope you understand what I'm saying. In this area of your life, son or daughter, you're living a lie. You're living a lie. That's not authentic. That's not real. You're not being the person that I've called you to be in this area. That's the truth. And in that particular area, we're not free. We're bound. We're bound. And we might come in church doors, and you might read your word, and you might pray. But there's this correlation between truth and freedom that is every single day, 24-7. And if we begin to disregard truth, truth, when we begin to um, censor truth in our own lives, when we begin to be particular about the things that we hear because we don't like to hear that kind of stuff, because it begins to dig deep and it begins to get out into the places that really upset us because we've got some areas in our life that are not being lived by truth. Remember, you cannot separate the truth, the, the, the two. There will always be freedom after truth, and the enemy knows it. He knows it. And so what does he want to do? He wants you to stay right where you're at. He wants you to be totally happy with disregard for truth. 
We want you to be totally content with not accepting or recognizing areas in our life when we need to be taking on truth. Jesus was telling them this, and you're going to see their attitude change. He said, the truth's going to make you free. The truth makes you free. I've heard that scripture so many times, but not realizing the impact on truth and freedom and that they are in total correlation to each other. So verse 33 says, they answered him. This is the answer. And you know what? It wasn't until recently that I even realized that there was actually a conversation going on here. I always have taken verse 32, and I've used it as a quote so many times, I didn't actually realize that it was in the context of a conversation. And that they answered him saying, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered and says, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. Why do you say you shall be made free? Now, this, is, this conversation is getting interesting now. It's like, they're like, what, what are you talking about? These are the people, keep in mind, these are the people that just believed on him in verse 30. Verse 31. They are the ones that believed on him. They believed what he said. But now he says, now hold on a second. Hold on. Before you want to dive in and serve me, let me tell you what that's going to cost. You're going to have to recognize the truths that serving me brings. You put me in your life, I'm going to upset some things. Amen. There's going to be some truths that you're going to have to recognize that if you're going to follow me, you're going to accept me as your Savior, you're going to accept me as being the one, then there's some things you're going to have to understand. You're going to have to recognize. And so they said, what are you talking about? This uh, We've never been in bondage. We've never been captive. Verse 34, Jesus answered, The verily I say unto you, whomever commits sin is the servant of sin and the servant abides not in the house forever but the son abideth forever I love that because he takes it and he unpacks it for him right there in front of their eyes he said it's me he said if you're a servant to sin then you'll continually do sin now I'm not preaching a sin message to you but I do want you to have a full understanding that an acceptance of Christ means an, meaning means an abandonment of sin. That's what that means. We are uh, in the season that we're in. We talk much about Jesus, the manger, the way that he was born, the humility that he came in, the humble upbringing, and we talk about how important that is. It is. It's very important. But it's not just the story that gets you to heaven. It's the acceptance of the Son and everything that comes along with him. That gets us to live with him for eternity. Amen. So we have to understand this morning. We understand why this conversation was even taking place. Why the why this thing was beginning to ramp up. Because this conversation gets even better. See, they're challenging what he's saying. And he says, and this, in verse 35, and the, uh, the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Second most popular verse. How many times have you heard that scripture? So what is he doing again? He's, he talked about truth and freedom. And then he emphasized, once again, he emphasized freedom. He said, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And I thought that was really interesting because, once again, let's put that in the context of the conversation that he's actually trying to talk to them about. He is trying to tell them, freedom is through me. Uh, come on, man. And you're telling me you don't see any reason to be free. 
What are you talking about? What do you, what do you mean bondage? What do, you, what do you mean sin? Jesus says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Whoa, hold on a second. Something's changed in the conversation. Something's changed. Because now they're upset. Now they're frustrated. And he said, now hold on a second. He said, oh, hold on. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me. Because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. They're still getting it wrong. They're still trying to apply old rules to a new message. And Jesus is saying, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. Let me keep reading. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me. He said it twice now, verse 40. You seek to kill me, a man who has told you what? Truth. Let me finish that verse. Which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. He said, Abraham didn't do this. I did. My father did. You see, I also want to, I want to make sure that we're, we understand the, um, the kind of response that we, number one, that we get from the world. When you walk in truth, you're going to get a response of denial from the world. That's just the way that it works. When you stand for truth, when you stand for that, and you stand by it, and you refuse to leave it, you're going to get persecution. That's just the way it is. Jesus said, you might as well get ready for it. The Bible said, prepare for it. You're going to get persecuted. And it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a, a doom and gloom type of message, but it's the reality. If, I, if I'm going to stand beside truth, then there are going to be some things that I'm going to have to go through. There will be some things that are going to befall me because I stand for what's true. Now, not just the world, but your personal life and the application of truth to the things in your life. You see, there's, there's this thing about truth that acts like a wrecking ball when you apply it. Truth does that. Truth tears down what we think and exposes what we feel. Exposes it. And it's at times inconvenient to have to accept God's truth. But that just doesn't make sense. I don't feel that way. I want to go this way or I want to do this or I want to do that. And he was trying to tell them. He said, you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. What's wrong with you people? So they've got this aggressive attitude now. They've changed the way that they view him. They've changed the way that they see him. Why? Because truth brings that out. Sometimes, sometimes we can be wrestling within ourselves with truth so much that it begins to make you aggressive. You become frustrated. People start to notice you've changed. You're not the same. What's wrong with you? Why are you acting that way? You seem so angry lately. If you've had that warning sign, if you've had that, if you've had that happen to you, maybe somebody's trying to knock on your door, you might want to check and see what you're wrestling with inside of you. Maybe you're wrestling with a truth that needs to be accepted. 
Anytime there is truth, it's always going to bring a breaking down of ideas and ways. Your ideas, my ideas, your ways, my ways. God's truth breaks down. Always. And so when we invite God and we say, God, I want you to come and show me your truth. I want, to, I want you to show me your ways. How many prayed that prayer? Amen. God, show me your ways. Well, God's ways are directly connected to truth. And I can tell you that when he reveals himself to you, most of the time, most of the time you're going to say, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. That's, whoa, now hold on a second now. You want me to stop doing what? You want me to give up what? You want me to, you want me to stop drinking what? You want me to get away from who? Why? Because God's truths, God's truths will go in there and he'll begin to meddle with the inside of you. The Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. I love that scripture. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That means when God begins to reveal his truths to you, he may not be revealing that to Sean at the moment. He may not be revealing it to Jesse at the moment, but that don't matter. He's revealing it to me. And I've got to respond to what he has told me is truth. He said, boy, this is truth. You better respond. You got some things in your life that are, that are, that are not right, that aren't good. They're not healthy for you. You need to get away from them. But, but, but what about him? What about her? And everyone else seems to be doing this and doing this, and everything seems to be good. I said, that don't matter. What do you see as truth in your life this morning? Are you wrestling with truth? Let's go past. Let's keep moving because, remember, discipleship is a, it's a, it's a lifelong thing. It's something you'll experience your whole life until you take your last breath is discipleship. And so once we, if we're going to say that we accept Christ and we accept him as Savior and we accept the birth and we accept the death and we accept the resurrection and we accept all of these things, then we also have to accept truth in its entirety. And that's a truth that's going to be with me my whole life. My whole life. So let's look what he says. And reading 40 again. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then say they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. Ouch. Hold on a second. Because that's kind of like the clutch thing. I mean, that's it right there. He said, all right, if you're going to say that, then I'm just going to have to tell you this. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. Meaning, <laughs> if, if the God that you're talking about is the God that I'm talking about, uh -huh. then you would recognize me as the son. Amen. And therefore accept the truth that I'm presenting to you. But because you don't accept everything I bring, you are not. And that is, man, that's some hard stuff. That, may, that makes me wrestle with that. I wrestle with that. So, whoa, man, that's deep, that's hard, that's heavy. Because the, the scriptures of, of freedom and truth and all these things were in this conversation. It was, it was, a, it was a really high-octane argument of who was going to get the upper hand and who was going to come out with the, the truth and who was going to recognize what. And so he said, and I proceeded forth, and I came from God. That's what Jesus said. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. So... This morning we were talking about that in Sunday school. How did he send him? Well, they were expecting a king. 
literally to like ascend out of the sky and just, just this kingship and authority and rule with an iron rod. And that's what they were wanting. That's what they accepted. They're, they would accept. But Jesus sent it, or God sent us his son in a very, very poor manner. He was born in a manger around humble, humble beginnings. He was raised humble, and they just couldn't accept that. There's no way this guy could be the son of God. No way. This guy come this 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 one come from this lineage in this line. No way. He needs to he, he needs to have come a different way. And that's so that's the problem with Christianity today is that the truth is right there in front of us. But often we don't receive it because it doesn't come to us the way that we want to. I want it a different way. You get a spoiled kid, a spoiled kid says that's not what I wanted. I wanted the blue one, not the gray one. Dude. Spoiled people complain about the wrapping paper. It didn't look right. It's not wrapped the way that I wanted it. It doesn't have the right bow on it. And it's funny. It is. But Christians today are often that way with the way that God works in their lives. They're unaccepting of, of God's reality. And, and we're wanting God to come much like the Pharisees we're expecting God to come. We want this blast out of heaven, this light, and this this thing to come down out of the sky and to hit us, and it just and all these blessings around us. And, and a lot of it, our imaginations, hilarious, our imagination is based around these unrealistic expectations of who God really is. And because God doesn't meet us on the ground that we want, then we're not accepting. We're not so okay with accepting God's truths if He doesn't meet us on our grounds. People, it's been this way ever since the beginning. You meet God on holy ground. Amen. Holy ground. Amen. And on holy ground, we understand truth. On holy ground, we bow to the king. On holy ground, not on our grounds. And you might be wrestling this morning. And you might be fighting with, with certain things in your life. And I'm not talking about necessarily even losing sleep over it. But maybe there's some things that aren't quite right and have not lined up the way that you wanted to. Maybe something feels out of place and maybe it's out of place because we have not yielded to the totality of who Christ is. Because even they accepted what he had said. Say, yeah, we believe that you're, you're Christ, the Son of God. We get it. And he said, well, if you want to be that individual, then you need to be my disciple and stay in my word. Because only I can make you free. And they said, whoa, now hold on a second. No, we're not, we're not bound, though. We don't need set free. That's where they went wrong. We have to accept the entirety of who Christ is. Verse 43, and then and just about to finish up. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. Now this is getting crazy now. We're really getting into some heart. Think about the conversation. Because this whole thing started out with them saying, we believe you. And now he says... You're of the devil. Whoa. What did truth, what has truth done here? Truth has brought some things to the surface. Brought some things to the surface. He said, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, you will do. He said, you're going to follow your lusts. You're going to follow what you want to do. You're not going to follow me. Let's not, let's not pretend here is what Jesus is saying. Let's not pretend and stand on any kind of ceremony here. Let's be honest. You're going to operate after your father, the devil. That's what you're going to do. That's a, that's a hard saying. 
Yeah, you know, and, and when they had said they wanted to kill him, it's that kind of speech right there what got him so upset. Truth. Truth. And he says, he was a murderer from the beginning. This is good. And abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. We're using that word again, truth. He said, I'm telling you the truth, but you're not going to believe me. You won't accept it because it didn't come the way you wanted. Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. This is the final verse, and listen very carefully. He who is of God hears God's words. You therefore hear them not because you are not of God. That hurt. That's a, that's a painful one. He said, you're not, you're not of God. He had already separated them. In this one conversation, he had separated them. He said, you, you think you're, you're over here, but you're not. You're over here. You're, you're, you're not even in the vicinity. You're not in the same place. You are not going to follow me the way that I require that, you, that I be followed in order to accept who Jesus really is. You see... In the Christmas season, so much is, is, is made of the birth of Jesus, as should be. Much should be made about the birth of Jesus. Christians should take seriously the birth of Jesus and not commercialize it and not allow it to, to become smaller than it is. But understand that it's the acceptance of the birth, the acceptance of the life, the acceptance of the death, the acceptance of the resurrection in everything that Christ represents. It's truth. It's truth. And as God speaks truth in my life, it breaks walls down. It stirs up, it stirs up stuff. When God puts truth in my life, when I read God's word, it shakes things. It makes me uncomfortable. Sometimes it leaves me flustered and upset. But God still leaves it up to you and me to choose today who you're going to serve. Who you're going to serve. We have to make a decision. And so... This morning, I hope that you, I hope this message engages the depths of your heart. I hope it gets down into some places that you're looking at truth, not just being a simple truth that I've accepted Jesus, now everything's good, because it doesn't work that way. Truth is something you will always have to deal with constantly, and I hope this morning that you're accepting of all the truths that Jesus offers. Would you stand this morning? We need you, Father. We need you. We need your truths. We need them in our life. And they might accept, uh, upset us. And then we might shed tears. And we might be angry over things. But, Father, we need your truths to survive. God, we need you more than our next breath. My prayer this morning, God, is that we accept the truths of your word. That we accept him in totality. We accept Jesus for who he is and what he done and what he represents and what it means to live for him. Father, as, as we go as ambassadors for you, Lord, help us to walk in everything that Jesus was and is. Father, I pray this morning, God, that if there, there be anyone in here wrestling with truth, that they'll be wrestling with it, God, I pray they accept it 
they accept it, even though it might hurt. That when we don't, we don't hide from it and we don't run from it, God, but that we allow ourselves to be touched by you. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for your children. And Father, I want to thank you, God, this morning specifically. Thank you for this. I want to thank you this morning for what you're doing in the background for these people that they cannot even see. I want to thank you this morning that you're taking care of finances. Father God, I want to thank you this morning that you're taking care of finances, God, that they cannot see. That you're taking care of healing that they cannot see. That you're taking care of things that are important to them and that are dear to them, Lord, that they cannot see. God, you are in control, God. And, Father, if we're wrestling this morning with control, Father, I pray that we give it up and give you full control. Thank you, God, for doing the things that we cannot see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you this morning. Bless you. Before we dismiss, does anyone need prayer? I want to leave anybody out if you need prayer, if you need agreement for something, you need healing in your body, you need deliverance from something, anything that you need from God, I'm here to agree with you about. You know, we've, we've been through so much as a, as a people that, you know, at times it's hard to even uh, put it into English language. At times I, I can't even put it into English language exactly what these battles have been about and how hard and difficult they've been. And so this morning, I just want to do this. You know what it is. You know what it is that you're going through. Just hold it up right here. Just hold it up to God. Simply put it up there. God knows it. He sees it. He sees it. Father, you see the hands lifted. You see the hands lifted. Father God, they represent our hearts. They represent turmoil. They represent frustrations. Father, you see the hands lifted. They represent need. Father, I pray that you meet the need this morning. Meet it. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray that you meet it. Father, I pray that you touch the brokenhearted this morning. Touch the frustrated. Touch the depression. In Jesus' name. Be depression, be gone in Jesus' name. We take authority over all depression in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for letting us gather here. Thank you for touching us, Lord. We love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you this morning. Thank you for being here once again. Misty, do we have any announcements that we need to, uh, to make? Keep Judy in your prayers. She's, I believe that they're still going to be in the hospital till Wednesday. So it's a, it's a, it's a long process. She's recovering. Um, we wish it wasn't this way. But God's in control. Amen. And we've still got the victory. Amen. And you do too. God bless you this morning. You're dismissed. Right.